Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and today we're going to be talking about practicing optometry without an optical on the Optometric Insights Show. Dr. Cam Salani, welcome and thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate you being on today. Such a pleasure. Thank so, you for having me. So Cam, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you go to school? When did you graduate? And then um, tell us a little bit about how you started practicing in the setting where you're in right now. Yeah, it's been a really great journey. So um, I'm SoCal native, went to UCLA for undergrad and Western University College of Optometry, graduated class of 2013. And uh, family's been in eye care for over 60 years, more on the opticianary side. I took over as a cold start on the medical optometry side and had to forego having an optical. So we had to get creative. Yeah, wait a second, just to be clear. So uh, your family has kind of, a, it sounds like a rich optical history, but you really took over, is it the same building and you're just taking over part of that office space as now providing medical care? It's this, it's this completely separate storefront where they're considered supervision optical and our practice is Beverly Hills Optometry Advanced Dry Eye Center. And is it located side by side? So like cr close proximity? More or less, there's an archway that separates us, but it's separate entrances and, and separate practices. And then when you started, did you just walk right into this space and say, hey, this is what I'm going to start. I'm going to start a service only practice. It was. Yeah, we had to forego optical. I wanted to work closely with my family and my father and have a lot of respect for him. And it's one of the main reasons why I went into healthcare and eye care specifically. And that was one of the agreements is I can handle the, the medical side and the service side. and so he'll continue to handle the op opticianary side and, and glasses components. So what type of services, because uh, we're talking 2013, what type of ser services did you end up going with? Was it just comprehensive eye exams? Was it specialty medical care? What kind of, what was your focus? Great question. So initially we started with um, comprehensive eye exams, contact lens evaluations, seeing patients who either needed to be diagnosed or screened or managed for glaucoma, macular degeneration. I was shadowing at a retina clinic uh, one or two days, half days, as we were building the practice as a cold start. And very quickly, we got right into to dry eye care. So we realized it's something that I had dealt with intimately for two decades, now two decades, at the time, a decade. Um, and at the time, things like Blefex were available and Lipoflow was hitting, you know, was, was coming, coming around. And, um, some of the pharmaceuticals I was currently on such as Restasis and steroid drops were available. So it's kind of where we started until some of these new technologies became available. So Kim, you had a personal history with dry eye yourself. It sounds like. Yeah, it was, it was quite a struggle. So I've dealt with a, a nice, an interesting journey on the medical side with an autoimmune condition that I've been trying to manage. And with that, of course, inflammation, um, and dryness became a big, big part of my, of my life. And at the time it was mostly just over the counter treatments and pharmaceuticals. So do you feel Cam, that that makes you a little bit more relatable when it comes to communicating with some of the things that your patients are even going through? You know, it's been really amazing. I've, I've realized that being able to share my story and my journey gives a lot of these patients hope. Oftentimes patients come to me just broken, depressed, anxious. And we're managing not just their dry eye care and dry eye journey and trying to optimize their ocular surface, but I'm really helping to guide them through this health journey and restore that hope that they've, that they've really lost. 
Uh, my record is a patient who had seen 15 different eye doctors before getting to us. And um, you got to imagine having seen so many specialists where this person was at, this patient was at, as far as their mental wellness. So Kim, what was that first piece of equipment that you purchased where you said, all right, now I'm going to start moving more into the procedure side of dry eye care. What was that first technology that you remember incorporating where you said, all right, th- this is what I'm going to do to start moving this thing forward a little bit more so and providing some procedures within the practice? Well, I had gone to one of the conferences about 11, 12 years ago as a student, and I had Dr. Reinerson, the founder of Blefx, who's also an ophthalmologist, treat me, and I felt incredible relief. And then I started to kind of dig into what else is available, what's the what are the the studies, and what's the literature say. And that was the first piece of equipment we brought in almost immediately. And then now we're up to fourteen different office based treatments they, that we offer at our practice. Wow. So Kim, I know that each patient um, is an individualized treatment plan, but which one did you find that you're utilizing most for patients currently? So we love treating patients with. Um, who, who come into our practice with things like Demodex blepharitis, ocular rosacea, MGD, ocular allergies, of course. Um, and we have the tools to really customize their treatment plan and really hone in on what's going on. So we offer all the treatments from Lipaflow, Ilux, Tear Care, OptiLite, now radio frequency with OptiLite's OptiPlus's introduction of um, radio frequency, Blefx, Zest, Nulis Pro. Um, and and some others that <laughs> are not top of mind. That's great. So Kim, what's your most recent investment into the dry eye space in terms of some of the procedures that you're actually providing to your patients? Yeah, um, radio frequency. So we've had the OptiLite or Luminous technology, OPT technology for six years. Uh, the most recent introduction to our practice was both low level light and radio frequency simultaneously. And we've had those technologies for a year now. Um, it's funny how patients ask us, what are you bringing in next? I think we're running out of space at the moment, <laughs> but we're always looking to to evolve our practice and, and, and really practice at the highest level and offer our patients as much relief as we can from a root cause approach. So it's, it's obvious that you're passionate about dry eye cam because, um, again, you, you've lived this condition and it sounds to me like you're looking to help other people that are on that similar struggle. The only difference between you and these individuals is at the time when you first had this, there weren't a lot of options. 20 years ago, there was no prescription medication that was available. Restasis was literally approved in 2003. So that's when we first had our, and I, I remember having these discussions around artificial tears, kind of which one, which artificial tear is better. And I also remember having conversations around putting rice in a sock, hopefully a clean sock, putting it in the microwave and, and heating it and placing it on your eyes. So you've you've obviously gone through this pathway as a patient, but you've also evolved your practice. And really, Kim, in the last 10 years is where we've seen a lot of this evolution. If you were giving advice to somebody who says, I, I, I want to start dry eye in my practice and I want to make it a more formalized process. And I just, I don't know where to start. I go to the shows, I see so much information out there. I just don't know where to start. What would be the first step that you would give that clinician? Great question. We typically recommend um, when I get on calls with colleagues, I I mentioned to them, you can go low tech and go high tech. 
So diagnostics are very important. So even though we brought in BLEFX as one of our first technologies on the treatment side, bringing in a mybographer can help connect the dots for patients from an education and empowerment standpoint. So when those patients see that their mybography is abnormal, they want to take the appropriate steps to, to get better, right? To protect what's remaining and potentially even regenerate some of the newer evidence that we can regenerate some of these, um, the structure, right? The mybomian gland structure. So um, you can keep a low tech and use vital dystains like fluorescine and lysamine. Um, you can have a transilluminator to look at those mybomian glands, or you can take the more high tech approach and bring in a mybographer, bring in a keratograph, a mybox. Um, Topcon has technologies where you can look at non-invasive tear breakup time, tear meniscus height. Um, you can bring in technology on the diagnostic side as far as point of care with MMP9 testing and tear osmolarity. On the therapeutic side, I really break it down into three categories. The patient has a lot of inflammation. You want to bring in some sort of light therapy, and Optilite has done a great job on the, with Luminous, um, really taking taking the time to invest in the studies and proceed with FDA um, indication for managing dry eye and MGD. On the, on the thermal side, you have so many wonderful options. Lipoflow was the first, but you have other amazing technology like tear care, ILUX, radio frequency. And then if somebody has a lot of buildup and blepharitis on their lid margin, plaque, biofilm, capped glands, then any lid exfoliation technology such as Blefx, Zest, or Nulis Pro is excellent. And then from there, you have your three main treatment categories and you can kind of add on as you go along. Uh, we just happen to have all of them because I have a little bit of an addiction to technology <laughs> and enjoy these things. One other caveat is having a slit lamp or having some sort of technology where you can image the patient's keratitis, ulcer, uh, lid telangtasia for rosacea, Showing them a video of their mybomian gland expression is so powerful. That can really take your practice to the next level as far as showing patients what their initial findings are and then what their findings are post-treatment as a comparison. And patients end up being really loyal to your practice and they refer, refer friends and colleagues at work. We have patients that travel um, that are both here locally in our community who we love looking after, but also come from far and wide, from out of town, out of state, internationally to seek us out. So it's been an honor to look after some of these folks. That's great, Kim. I, um, you know, that's one of the most difficult questions. And I, th I think you answered it um, partially the way that I would as well, too. Um, anybody who wants to kind of start developing this in their practices, I find that they have to have that kind of awakening moment, that, that, that thing that says, I see this as a real issue. And I don't just want to kick it to the curb. I want to more proactively manage this so that we're not just simply chasing symptoms and or just letting people leave and letting somebody else deal with it or manage it. You want to be and, part of that solution for those individuals. And as and, soon as you do that, even with anything that we have, you start to see, even in your own offices, as you start to manage these patients more, more what I would call proactively you immediately see where the voids are in care. You see what things work and then you see where there's voids and where things aren't working. And that's, I think the impetus for technology incorporation into the practices, because you obviously weren't dealing with all the technologies that you have right now at some point. And you saw that, man, what, what Reinerson did to me when he cleaned my lids, that, that helped out a lot. So you saw the immediate void and you said, 
if I can bring this in, I can at least help patients with this. And you kept building on that. I get concerned sometimes when colleagues say, well, what do I need to do? And they want to, they think because they spend a lot of money on something, it's going to automatically be incorporated when in actuality, it's the passion behind treating the condition that actually feeds the need for the entities. And, and your need as a clinician will be filled when you get those things. But again, I really think there's a passion that has to go along with it. My awakening cam was, um, this was back in 2005. I became a partner in my practice. A patient came back a month after they got their glasses because they couldn't see well out of their glasses. And it was a disrupted tear film. She had keratitis band inferiorly. And I just never looked at the eye with fluorescein prior to that. And I looked at the eye and she actually came back to me a month later. And I explained to her that it's because of her dry eye that she doesn't have stable vision. She actually asked me if her glasses caused her dry eye. <laughs> and that's and I literally started managing these patients to safeguard the optical portion of my practice, which is not a part of your practice. Your passion from this comes from a totally different different uh, perspective. It's, it's interesting how I give a lot of patients advice as far as, you know, maybe you need to take a holiday from your contact lenses. We see the less I mean, green staining because they're wearing their contact lenses for 14 hours. They'll, they'll let me know that they're really not happy with their glasses and vision, the glasses, or they come in thinking they need glasses and we see that it's a tear film disruption. So it's really the, the vision and, and ocular health side really correspond with one another. And we still have a lot of those technologies like OCT, Optos to get that out of the way or to at least rule out any issues when we're looking at the vision. So that way we have our, we cover ourselves and then I go right into the ocular surface. And something interesting that you brought up earlier if a patient, if if a colleague of ours is not really passionate, but they want to they want to diagnose the patient with dry eye, find somebody in your area until you're able to invest in bringing these technologies in that you trust, that you're able to refer to. And a lot of colleagues, whether it be ODs or MDs, we're honored that they refer to us, and we send those patients back for primary eye care. We'll 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 clean up that ocular surface, send the patient back for LASIK cataract surgery, or we're sometimes the safety net after an oculoplastic procedure after a LASIK procedure, cataract procedure. And um, those physicians or surgeons do a great job with what and being in the OR room. And then we take over and spend the necessary time with these patients. Sometimes my consults might take an hour to an hour and a half. We block off that much time so I can get into their day-to-day -day diet, sleep habits, what medications are on, what health conditions they have, what biological factors, lifestyle factors, or environmental factors might be contributing to their condition. Because we may see this, right? We help these patients and we throw all these technologies at them, but they don't get as good as we expect them to. There's a ceiling. So by coaching them through what things to do from a lifestyle perspective, if we give that patient an IPL, we treat them with Blefx, we do a lipoflow, but they have a CPAP machine and we're not really addressing the nighttime therapy with ointment, or we're not addressing that they have lagophthalmus or their ocular allergy component, they're not going they're gonna improve, but to, to a certain limit. Um, so that's really, really important to, to not rush these visits. Um, this this has been awesome. We are definitely gonna have you back and explore this a little bit more. I mean, I think you've proven that you can build a successful optometry practice without an optical, which again, you've obviously done, but we are definitely gonna have you back. We're gonna explore this just a little bit more from a process perspective as well too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode, Cam. Thank you so much for having me and looking forward to connecting once again. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Optometric Insights Show. Thank you